0: Virginia Shudi, and I'm Bethany Garaman Merkel, and this is Meteor, the honest podcast about science communication with impact. So, two years ago, we launched this podcast to make an advanced user space to muse and chat with you all, and so much feels different today. So, this season, we're taking a look at the systems of SciComm, what we love, what we're working to change. And how trying to change things through SCICOM shapes the work that we do and our rants. And
1: We have more in store for everyone besides this podcast, so uh, stay tuned. The things we're looking at creating are hopefully programs that can help you all make change by building relationships and helping people take action.
0: And if you want to know more, you can follow us on social media or get on our email list. And don't worry... I read way too many newsletters already, so we promise we only send podcast and program updates. And we're going to start this episode with a question that Virginia got recently in a professional setting. Somebody asked her, do you have anxiety around psychom as a career? And if so, how do you manage that?
1: Oof. Oh. <laughs> you know, I really liked <laughs> so that I had a space big. where they just came right out with, <laughs> with that question. That was great. So Bethan, I answered this two ways. Um, professionally, which is how they asked it, like about my career. But then also personally, because this is a passion career. I'm a human. What affects me personally affects my career, vice versa. So I want to start with the professional part. I think that I said this when I visited you in 2019 and I was giving a QA and a session on campus or something. Um, I don't know what question I got asked then, but I remember telling people that I was not confident that I could do this career for the rest of my life until it was like 2019, 2020. I I had been doing SciComm. I got my PhD in 2014 and I had been doing science communication since then. So it took me like five years at least to pivot careers let's recognize that before i was like oh yeah i can for sure make a job out of this for as long as i would like to have a job out of this so the first part of their question where they said do you have anxiety around psychom as a career like yeah i but also i don't know who i mean doesn't everybody have anxiety around their career i mean i guess maybe not that flavor like wondering if you're going to be able to do it um but yeah, I feel like for me this my path was so non-traditional, science communication is so unlike prescripted that I just it just took me years before I was sure that I could do it. Did you have similar stuff?
0: I did. My I think my situation, and we've talked about this a bit in previous seasons. My situation is that I didn't realize I was doing SciComm for years and years before I officially started characterizing it that way. So mm. I think there was a whole period of time where I was, I'm not going to say trying out different types of work and roles, but I was definitely doing lots of different type and roles. And now when I look back on it, I recognize that they were all work that I would now put under the psychom umbrella. Did I feel anxiety about those those jobs at that time? I, If I did, I think it was probably that they were all underpaid and there were dimensions of them that I didn't, didn't like, and so it was maybe more like, is this the thing I want to do forever? It wasn't so much, can I do this Mm. forever and get paid for it? And then on top of it, when I found SciComm as a thing, I'm not sure we were actually quite calling it that yet. Mm -hmm. We were calling it all of the sort of under undergarment parts of it. Undergarment. <laughs> we called it petticoats. <laughs> yes, the, the petticoats of the sci profession. You know everything from scientific illustration to freelance journalism and outdoor education and etc. 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 And and I so I think I think I was not navigating any of that, recognizing that it was a sci career to be anxious about. Ah. I did not have that cap to put on it all. Okay. Until a lot further along in my career. And, and now my anxiety, if there is any, is around, you know, things I can't functionally control. Like oh, budget good. issues in the state of Wyoming and at the <laughs> university where I work. And the reality that I have a non-tenure track faculty job. So I think if I ha- have anxiety about any of it now, it's more around I am in a really good space to make some waves. How much of that can I accomplish before Mm -hmm. my luck runs out?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So the reason we wanted to bring this in is because I'm having a similar thing we've been talking about with with each other. Um, I feel like I quit a bunch of SciComm projects that were straightforward. Not easy, but the tasks were fairly defined. My role was known. I I quit them sometime in the past year so that i could do things where i'm just making stuff up now and it's a space i want to be in you know this whole season's about systems change i love you know being the co-founder of a startup i love trying to make projects from nothing it's very exciting and the reason i want to do these things is because i think they matter but it's also taken a huge investment in my work brain that I didn't account for like I find myself when I first started doing this stuff after I got back from a big trip this spring I sat down to like do the new kind of work and it was hard and I was tired and I found myself not able to work the same number of hours in the same way with my energy and I didn't get it that it was because I couldn't just sit down and like transcribe something from notes to computer and log the hours and get paid for it like I had to actually be there top level thinking for most of my work hours and it's a different kind of anxiety to be in spaces where you're trying to push systems, you're trying to build things that don't exist uh, than it is to you know be good at a job that someone hired you to do and is already funded.
0: I am wildly nodding my head over here. (laughs) She looks a little like a horse tossing her mane. (laughs) And I'll say I think I'm nodding my head so vigorously for two reasons. And the first one is same sort of feelings, creative, creating types of work take different levels of our brain and different layers of that kind of work take different levels of our brain. So... Making a social media post can be all kinds of levels of effort, depending on the nature of it and where you're pushing it, etc. My other layer of hard agreement here is I come from a background of training in basically creative creation type fields. The humanities, creative writing, literary work, and lots of fine art, and... Nobody who does that kind of work on the daily is going to tell you there's anything easy about it. Mm. You have to show up and do this work in a very deep and intellectually invested way for it to be the kind of quality work that you want to do. And it's a an interesting little layer for you to say you didn't realize that that kind of work would be as hard every hour, every day. Because we talk so much about what kind of what dimensions of psychom work are valued and undervalued. Hmm. And I think we would both say in an ordinary space, well, of course, creative work is hard and it's important, right? Right. But it's also one of those examples where until you actually try to do the work that we are talking to you about being hard, you may not feel how hard it is.
1: Mm. The feeling aspect is right because... I feel like I've been doing creative work for years. You know, with the social concentration, there was a job I held for multiple years where I was supposed to be making you know, multiple posts a day. But it's different, again, having that layer of security where I am salaried and someone has said, We want you to make multiple posts a day. Here's your desk space and your salary and your contract to make it happen. It's a different kind of creation than. Hey, this project doesn't exist. If you'd like it to, you need to create it. Yep. That
0: kind of creation and come feels up with the so money different. for it. Exactly. And find out where to put it in the world yeah. and everything. Yeah, you're you're making to lean on our theme, you're making the whole system or subsystem. You're not just participating in something. Yes. Yes, that was it.
1: So, okay. So that was, I I said, I answered the original question with two kinds of anxiety. (laughs) Oh Gosh, owning myself here. So uh, the one was professional anxiety about this career. And then the other one was personal. And I just want to go ahead and talk about therapy because I have been just loving what I've learned from my therapist lately and applying it to my life. So um, I know I've yelled at you about this a little bit, and I brought a prop. I have a sheet, listeners. I'm, I have a sheet. It's a good sheet. So, um,
0: of, of paper. Of paper, not bedding.
1: <laughs> what you Why would you do? What a sheet? <laughs> I'm so cool uh, and relax. Um, so, so my therapist told me like a month ago about this thing that she called stinking thinking, um, or the like more proper term for it is cognitive errors. But I, I know, I see you making that face. I don't like the term cognitive errors because it makes me think like I was made wrong, like I was yeah. coded. There's, there's a problem with the things that made me. So tell us a little bit about it and maybe we can come up with a different word. Okay. So cognitive errors are, as my therapist described them, it's like psychology 101, the most common ways that human brains self-sabotage. I'm gonna read the shortest one on this list. I have a list of 12 on the sheet of paper I'm waving around. I'm gonna read the shortest one. It's called on this sheet of paper mind reading without checking it out you arbitrarily conclude that someone is reacting negatively to you. So basically without supporting evidence, your brain is like they don't like you, they don't like what you said, you were boring you are boring right now on this podcast <laughs> like, <laughs> um, that's the that's the kind of thing where, There's no evidence to support it, but your brain decides you as a person are bad somehow, and like, here's how. Okay, tell us two more. Two more. What a good assignment. Okay, I'm going to stick to the short. One of them is fortune telling. You predict that things will turn out badly. So, for example, before a test, you may tell yourself, I'm really going to blow it, and that's your fortune. You might, yeah. (laughs) And then we're going to do another short one magnification. You exaggerate the importance of your problems and shortcomings, or you minimize the importance of your desirable qualities, which can also be called the binocular trick. So you're taking things and blowing them out of proportion in a way that hurts you and your functioning and your ability to be
0: yourself. And there's a list of these. And pretty much everybody's brains is doing some of them.
1: Yes. That reliably. Was, these are the things that are most common.
0: Why don't we get told I this?
1: know. This is why I've been yelling and I yelled at my neighbor friend about this. I've been carrying this sheet of paper around, waving it in people's faces, being like, we should all know if this is the most common ways that our brains self-sabotage us, we should know. Because then, if you know, there are ways to combat this. And this is why I was starting to yell at you and wave my paper in your face earlier but then <laughs> <laughs> because the combating ways are super useful and have helped me like manage my work anxiety and just manage my anxiety in general so that I can show up to work and be more excited to be in that creative space. You know, we talked about how hard it is to have the creative brain space. It helps me when I'm not freaking out on the side about, I don't know, the thing I said on the podcast the other day <laughs> that people hated. Um Right. So I think the thing that she told me to do, and I've been kind of developing this on my own, is she called it three Cs. So you capture what's happening, which means you name what your brain is doing to you. So like this is mind reading that's happening right now. And then you combat it, which means you show yourself the evidence that it's not a problem. So that could either be, if you're mind reading, you could say, well, the evidence is not there that the person doesn't like me because Bethan, you know, you keep showing up with me to do this podcast. You don't think it's awful. So that could be one line of evidence, or you could say, listen, I'm, I'm not prepared to combat that kind of thing. I don't have the evidence, but I'm going to show myself why mind reading is destructive to me and why we're just not going to do it. You know, I say what I say, either you like it or you don't. I need to not engage with the mind reading like hole that sucks me in. Um, so that's, capture, combat, and then I think the third one was confirm or something like that. So basically for me, it ends up being affirmations. So here's what I'm going to do. So if I can't know if Ann likes what I say on the podcast or not, I'm just going to keep saying things on the podcast until she tells me they're bad. And then we'll go from there. So it's a plan
0: for how to move forward. This feels to me a lot like Something that some of the STEP participants from last fall helped us make, which was a tip sheet. And it was framed around this idea of mid-career mindsets that can help you advance your SICOM career. I'm saying this like you don't know about it, but you were totally
1: involved. Oh, well, no, but listen. So for <laughs> but, listeners that don't know, we ran a program last fall. It was called uh, Sparking Transitions for Experienced Professionals. It was a Psychom program, and it was basically about turning your Psychom skills and using them for your own professional development. Um, so yes, now. They may not have known that. Now you may continue. Right.
0: Thank you. So basically, we came up with this structure for this tip sheet based on things that participants got out of that program, And there were two columns, and one column was, are you getting in your own way? And then the other column was, these mindset shifts may help. And it feels to me very similar to what you're talking about, Virginia. So maybe just as an example, I'll read you a pair of these. So are you getting in your own way? Perhaps you're working and growing alone. Taking an individualistic approach to your psychom career can drive loneliness, isolation, and even wariness about sharing financial, physical, or social resources. Maybe some of you can relate to that or you know somebody who operates that way. So how could you shift your mindset that it could help? Well, you want to advance independently, of course, because we're still individual people with careers and needs and everything but in community so we can recognize that we're more in leadership stages of our career and that we might want to be shifting to more collaborative and higher impact work than is even possible in a solo effort or at earlier career stages. And of course, you can do what we do, which is why we have the podcast, which is commiserate (laughs) with colleagues about our mid-career, advanced career challenges. And yeah, I, I think... It's really helpful to know that it's not just about psychom or SICOM careers, these things you're pointing us to, Virginia. Yeah. I
1: think they're all related, and so I want to wrap this episode by encouraging you and me. I'm going to keep waving my sheet in people's faces, but encourage you listeners, wherever you are, to do yourself the courtesy and the favor of considering your mindset and thinking about Are you, is your brain doing the things that human brains do to get in your way? And could you, I don't know, could you maybe make it stop a little? That'd be cool.
0: Right. And of course, we talk about systems all the time. There's things you can't control in that environment. But as so many knowledge systems tell us, we can work to control how we respond to the things that may be influencing us in the world. So over to you, listeners. Tell us. How have you had success in reframing your professional or personal mindset about something?
1: You've been listening to Meteor, the honest podcast about science
0: communication with impact. To join this conversation, tell us how you're grappling with your mindset. You can do that on social media using at MeteorScicom, or you can submit a note on our website, MeteorsciCom.org. Talk soon!